I'm Greg Daller-Coltman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where we have been and are now to where we're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives between those three tiny dots. My guest today is someone that I have come to know and celebrate as a courageous, powerful human being who clearly is on her own Renaissance woman journey. Whether at work as head scenic painter at the Citadel Theatre in Edmonton, or in her home studio surrounded by her acrylics, oils, or watercolors, or her digital canvas, in her kitchen with an ever-widening palette of garden delights heading into preserve jars, or as she recently stepped into the entrepreneurial ring to offer to the world the work she's been bringing to life, Nicole Dybert boldly embraces her true creative nature. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you, Greg? I'm very well. And firstly, let me let me start by thanking you, you very much for agreeing to join me in conversation today. I, I know it's been a bit of a journey just to get to sit down, but how lovely that we're finally here. Yeah, my pleasure. So as you heard me share in the introduction of you, I, I really am fascinated um, by the adventure you seem compelled to engage in as a, as a creative person. And uh, I wasn't just being kind when I introduced you as a Renaissance woman. You know, over the course of uh, certainly the, the, the COVID period, I and, and many people sort of witnessed you um, entering into that public uh, arena to invent and reinvent and reinvent yourself. But uh, I'm curious to know how you define or identify yourself as an artist or, or a creative. Um, that's a really, really good question. Um, I... I like to, I like, just like to try many things. Um, uh, jack of all trade and I will say a master of none. I think I've a master of few, but just of an insatiable curiosity of all things. And also um, kind of a point of view of, well, they can do it, so why can't I? Um, and, and that's, I think, always been sort of encouraged by, um, by my mother and sort of probably has kind of come down to me through the generations because my family um, immigrated here from Poland. So my mom was born during the war and then my grandmother, um, you know, obviously was born in the, well, she was born in the 20s and lived through sort of depression and, and, uh, and obviously World War II as well. So she was constantly creative in um, just to make, just to, you know, survive. Um, and I think that because that is part of my family that has come into me, like, obviously I don't need to create to survive, um, but uh, yet, <laughs> you never, never know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I say, maybe yeah. I maybe say exactly what you are cheap. doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah absolutely yeah. but it's like um but I find it's just sort of yeah it's just like this absolute insatiable like I have to mm. I have to learn stuff I have to do stuff and it's just like well they're doing it why can't I do it so I'm gonna learn 
So that's wonderful. Uh, and, and, and in fact, I use the word compelled and you very clearly defined it as, as a kind of compulsion to do. Mm -hmm. And and I love the lineage that that uh, that honoring of of those that you know are in your family that have come before. But when did you first know that you approached the world this way? Um, you know what? I think like I, even since I was a kid, like my mom had me uh, signed up into like ballet classes and playing the flute and playing the piano, and then once that kind of went through that, like in my teenage years, I'm like. I want to learn how to play the clarinet and I want to learn how to play the guitar and I want to learn how to, you know, do all this stuff. My mom's like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> she really, she really encouraged all of that because um, like if, if she could see, uh, you know, that I was having joy in the learning, then she's like, well, of course, like anything you want to learn, you can do. Right. right. Um Except for singing. My mom's like, you can't sing. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. Oh. It's, no, it's very Poor fair. Nicole. No, it's okay. So I, bought, I learned how to play the accordion instead. So it's good. And that's no small feat. Just that's so no long, small feat. As long as you don't hum along, I suppose. Is that, is yeah, exactly. that the deal she's made? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for the, for, for the, better part of my awareness of yourself as an artist, I've seen the visual work. I've seen you live in that world of the visual artist and certainly the work that you do professionally at the Citadel. Why for you or when and how did you come to the visual arts as your, as your portal? Um, I think, again, that's something that started when I was a kid. Like, it's just something that I've always... Um, always really kind of drawn myself to like I can even remember even when I was in elementary school like for the first time doing a grid drawing so where you have your the image that you want to draw and you've put a grid on it and you have and your and you have a grid paper in front of you too so like especially if you're trying to enlarge something right mm -hmm. So then you're, you're like, you know, square A1, <laughs> like mm -hmm. if wherever the line is, that's what you replicate. And I remember doing kind of a microscopic view of an ant. And mm -hmm. I was so immersed in this thing that I literally didn't see the whole picture funny enough until I was done. And then it was like an actual kind of replica of the image. And I'm like, huh. I can do that. <laughs> and I was like, you know, and it's just so the yeah, so then I was just like, let's do that more, right? And yeah. even as a teenager, like asking to take some art, you know, art classes, painting classes or whatever. And like I remember being at the local community league, and it was like myself and a bunch of retired ladies, and I was 13. And I was like, I want to learn oil painting. Okay. <laughs> so off you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like always been a thing. Like I remember even because um, I went to Vic for uh, my my 11, 12 and 12 repeating years. Um, I remember uh, painting for a show and um, my teacher at the time, he's like, how do you know how to do this? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just figured that the paint should go on like this. Right. And I was literally doing what a scenic artist would do with like a scumble and spatter and all that stuff. But I had no knowledge of what I was doing, just thinking that it should it, it should just be that way. 
Well, the, the, the word that I just heard you use is immersed. And, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder, can, can we just open that up a little bit in terms of that sense of getting lost within it? And even this example of not really knowing how I did that, it just made sense, mm-hmm. sounded again like another iteration of that idea of immersion or losing yourself within. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you experience that uh, in, in your work. Um, I think uh, what what is I guess I guess I can talk to what it's grown into and then maybe talk to how it's developed. Um, the way that it's grown into is that it's essentially a meditation, I think, for me, where I get so into the whatever I'm painting that my body does the actions and my brain is now completely separate from that. So that I literally just kind of become one with whatever is being painting. And that is part of one part of my self. And then my conscious brain is separate, thinking of completely separate things. Um, and I think the way I got to that um, is, is, you know, likely just the, the repetition of it. But just because a lot of the painting, especially in scenic art, a lot of it tends to be fairly repetitious, right? Just because of the um, uh, usual amount of scenery that we need to paint, right? So then it's like, okay, so spray the water, spray the paint, do the brush, do the rag, soften it, next section, da 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 da, you know, on and on. Mm. And then so it starts to become this very sort of repetitious movement. And so I think through that, then I could just sort of, allow my body like disconnect from my body and just Mm. let my body go through the motions and then let my brain think of like okay so the next thing I need to do is blank then I'm going to make this for dinner and then like on and on and on but uh um yeah and I, I really like and I think that's what a lot of my artwork is now is just letting my my body and my and my brain go into that that world because it's so awesome Mm -hmm. do you know it it made me go back to the image of working as a as a I'll say a child but a high school student Mm -hmm. and 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 not being able to fully articulate how you were able to know what you knew but it sounds like that sense of being lost in somewhere along the stage of mastery, uh, recognizing that you had been gathering up all of the learnings with mm-hmm. the elderly women at the, at the painting classes and mm-hmm. here, there, and, and everywhere else, so that you really could tr- begin to perhaps trust before you even knew that that was a, was a thing. You just, you just went with mm-hmm. the direction it was going in. Yeah, so what absolutely. I'm, what, what I'm curious about is as you got as you became more aware <laughs> and you and, and and more conscious of what you were doing what happens when you bump up against something that you absolutely know i have no idea how to do this next um when that it seems so lot. easy before okay that happens yeah. a lot um well especially um well the thing i like about scenic art is that every show is very different and mm-hmm. sometimes there's really weird obstacles to get around um like how do you paint uh hard hats how do you paint puckboard how do you paint pool noodles right. <laughs> how yeah. do you, 
how do you paint this backdrop that's full of sort of, you know, linear sections and each linear section needs to be its own gradient and then an overall gradient on the wow. whole image, right? So it's just like, yeah. how do you break this down? But you know, what's actually kind of funny is that like, I will start thinking of those things as I'm starting to paint other mm. stuff, right? So funny enough, like that's actually my time to just start to, um, yeah, start get those sort of wheels kind of churning and sort of thinking about it. Because again, I'm kind of at the point where I can literally kind of see in my mind uh, a possibilities uh, yeah. of outcomes, yeah. right? Um, which is which is really kind of cool. Um, yeah. But then when it comes to actually doing it, um, just to see if that's uh, true or not. Um, that's when I'm very fortunate that I get to do trials. So for mm -hmm. me, that's those little samples, right? So it's like, this is my crazy idea and let's see if it's going to work, right? So then I can do a smaller scale version on the actual material. And that is my trial run. And, um, and, it's, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm all of a sudden seeing, I, I'm taking that into my, personal artwork as well like I'm doing a, a watercolor right now and there's this little forest in the background and I'm realizing I have no idea how to paint uh, an autumn forest in watercolor and I'm like how do I do this so I'm like okay let's go watch some videos because there's so much content on YouTube right so let's Absolutely. go watch some videos and see how they're doing it. and it's like a, how can I okay so then I'm literally taking a piece of um uh, the same kind of paper and just focusing in on the sort of the part of the tree uh, section doing the same scale but just focusing on that one area so that I feel that I can try it and fail it uh, if need be uh, to mm. see if if my interpretation of what I'm thinking is actually going to work it sounds like it's incredibly liberating and and I, it also sounds like it's it's a great privilege to be able to work out things and have thinking time to be mm -hmm. in dialogue with yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's funny because I know a lot of artists are like, oh my god, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. How do you even start this project? And it's just like, well, uh, to me, that's sort of that's realizing that's the way. Just just don't worry about trying to make the project. Make hmm. a project. Right. So you don't need to, you know, because I mean, the, the, I think the, the biggest thing, especially when you watch these videos and whatever, is like, you know, it's like, it looks like it's the first time they've ever done whatever. And it's this freaking masterpiece. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, that just doesn't happen. Right. It's <laughs> right? like anything on social media, everything's a yeah, masterpiece. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That just, that just doesn't happen. Like, yeah. you know, especially kind of learning this uh, watercolor is a new medium to me. And, um, was, what's really fascinating, just as a side note, is that one of the reasons why I ended up choosing watercolor is that it, the techniques for that is the most, uh, the most like uh, painting backdrops for theater. So we don't paint a lot of backdrops uh, as it is, but right. um, I thought, you know what, especially when we were locked down through COVID, it was like 18 months. Okay, we got to do yeah. something. I have plenty of hobbies <laughs> so but it's like what can I do to keep my skills 
more present right so that's why i thought you know what i've always wanted to learn watercolor so hmm. let's let's just jump in and see what happens and um and now because i've been able to kind of uh practice a few different things i've kind of i think i'm starting to kind of hone in on a technique that makes the most sense to me um because it's such it's such a diverse medium and it's such a complicated medium and uh, it looks so easy uh, but it is so exceptionally complicated i think and i hope that and i'll just take this moment i hope that people that get a chance to listen to this will will believe me when when i i mean i know i know you to be incredibly genuine but i know that there's going to be people listening saying oh my god she's making it sound so easy to live and learn every day something new um but 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 i, I really i really do want to acknowledge that it's um it it's a powerful trait that you that you, that you simply live with that quality of being able to jump in and and live life in trials in a in a strange way mm-hmm. thank you, you. Did, yeah, you're more than welcome. You you did you did pick up on the word failure um, uh, a minute ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, can we can we talk about that idea of failure in in yeah. your process? And mm-hmm. firstly, how do you define it for yourself? Uh, how do I find failure? It to me is just something you need to do because you can't you can't learn unless you've made mistakes right like mm-hmm. if everything is perfect like what growth have you had uh i i would hope that you know when if if you've if you've tried something and it didn't work like instead of just going oh my god i'm ruined for a, as a human being it's like mm. well okay no like now maybe my thought process was incorrect maybe my materials were incorrect you know, let's regroup and retry and then, and then try it again. Right. Yeah. And take that moment, reassess. And, um, cause again, going back to sort of the scenic art thing is like, especially if I was doing samples for like a, a Leslie Frankish show, cause she is mm-hmm. so particular and so such an amazing designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and like her, her, knowledge of color and how each colors interact with each other and the layering process and all of that like 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 from the get-go from the base layers like everything had to be spot on and accurate Mm. and um I I would I would kind of joke with her I'd say like I feel like this is like my master's thesis right because it's like you know I would like sometimes because she would she could only be in with us for a couple days so I would do all my samples and lay them out and have the lighting there and have all my color charts and everything laid yeah, out yeah. for her and and kind of sit with her we would we would you know sit and analyze everything it's like okay well maybe if you could tweak it like this and do this and do that and blah 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 and on and on and then I would you know next day do all the samples yet again right start everything from scratch and then with the new colors and the new techniques and whatever and I'd show them to her and she's like okay yep but change this and change that and do this and blah 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 and on and on and and uh you know and then going through that process is like you know then you start to learn how to communicate you start to learn how to see you start to learn how to um learn the learn the mediums more 
of you know ratio of paint to glaze to water to whatever right and and all of that you, you just start to understand it more and more once you are challenged to to learn it more and I find that sometimes if you don't have those failures and you're not truly learning the the inner depths of it yeah so it's it's fascinating there's nothing about what you just shared that sounded um in any way like failure had to be defined as a as a negative or a a painful experience Uh, and we know that we can we can experience it personally but uh, you also linked the you know the other word that i love to hate and that is that's perfection and and that sense Mm -hmm. of 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 so many people that are afraid to fail because of um their their deep um addiction to perfection or to the pursuit of this thing a few months back I, I came across a fabulous book I wonder if you've if you've seen it um, the author's name is Sarah Lewis okay. uh, it, it's called the rise um, a subtitle creativity the gift of failure and the search for mastery Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fabulous read. Um, Lewis is an art historian. She actually, I believe she was on um, Obama's, um, uh, one of his, one of his uh, committees for um, uh, the cultural committees. Um, but she, um, her thinking extends way beyond just the artist's studio. And um, I, I scribbled down, she, she, she speaks specifically of failure uh, in, in this way. And so can I just read this to you? Yeah. She says, it is a cliche to say simply that we learn the most from failure. It's also not exactly true. Transformation comes from how we choose to speak about it in the context of our story. So I guess I'm I'm kind of curious when you hear that word transformation, if there's if there's another story that comes to mind from your creative work that resonates with that that sense of, of shift of complete of movement forward. Um yeah, for me, I think the, the, the transformation part is, is starting to, to have the knowledge of that you are, that you have, you have gotten from point A to at least point B. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, even, even today, even after the fact that I've been painting um, sets for like 20 years, right? Like I, I, I do not feel even remotely close to uh, saying that I've mastered the medium um, because I think the longer you go the longer you realize the end result is gets further and further and further away just because there is just in that particular medium there's just so many things right yeah. and it's and it's funny because like you kind of come into it and you're like I can do all of this this is this is no problem and then then you then you start getting that experience and then then you start to realize just how much there is to learn, right? And so I think that to me, that transformation, you know, is like you have more successes than failures maybe um, because you've already beat your head against the wall a number of times. You're like, oh, okay, when I do that, it hurts. Like I'm not gonna, now I've learned that. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that again, right? Or at least to say, okay, you know, to be able to assess what you've done and take that into consideration and then, you know, yeah, yeah. add, add yeah. that to the knowledge. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And it, it, what it raises for me is that whole sense of the awareness of what I'm not in control of. And I don't actually need to be. In fact, perhaps 
it's best I don't. You know, I don't, don't even enter the ring to try to control the stuff that is perhaps where the magic occurs. Mm -hmm. So on that, you know, I, I'm, it's very clear that you are in this continual process of discovery and rediscovery and, and intrigue and, and compulsion to know more. And sometimes perhaps motivated by, well, if he did it, I can do it, or she did it, I, I, I can do it. Or, but, but what if you, what if you come to know, um, uh, through your work, through the, the rhythms of your work, uh, that, that actually um, you want to make sure you don't get in front of or in the way of, uh, thereby obstructing your own ability to access your creativity? In a way, especially with artwork, it really depends on what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? Because I would, I would say with, with scenic art, there's you are almost completely trying to control things always um, in, in some way or another. Um, the ways you can kind of say, you know, it'll be what it is, is usually comes down to like really wet treatments, but at the same time, because you're usually working with something on wood, if the wood starts to go sideways, then you have to control it again. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So in, in that particular artwork, um, you almost have to always be in control of it. Um, with with other things, I'm still at the point, you know, even in some of my other mediums that I I do. I, I do still want to kind of control them, to tell you the honest truth, because I find that especially again, looking to watercolor. It's when things can be go where where they may. I'm not understanding that yet. That okay. it's that is a very hard thing for me to do because because I come from needing to control the the paint medium because of the inherent medium that it is with scenic art. Uh, because it essentially needs to be controlled at all times because the materials are weird. Yep. um that it goes into my yeah goes into other things where I once once the control is lost I don't know what to do okay okay so that I mean that's interesting it, it's yeah. a different kind of a wrestling going on there I suppose and and I wonder too if there isn't the image kept coming to me of learning a dance that you're that you're learning to dance with the partner that you're working with and if that's mm -hmm. a particular piece of wood if that's a particular type of paint mm -hmm. and that there does have to be I mean we all know you can go to the dance hall and just do whatever the hell you want but mm -hmm. um, there's a structure here uh, and there's also a timeline that perhaps doesn't affect all other artists so that this that there's, there's an opening night coming so you've got to mm -hmm. get it done and you got to get it done well in advance of that for everybody else to be able to do their work so I certainly understand that in any of your creative endeavors, can you think of um, a moment when, when something truly kind of magical occurred, appeared on, 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 the, on the piece of wood or, or that surprised you? Um, I think it, it, for me, it comes back to when I was painting Crazy for You at the Citadel Theater um, in my 
in my sort of, I guess, repertoire of, of scenic art, I think that was the best show I've ever painted. And there was uh, an opportunity to do uh, a, an antique gold um, treatment on this arch. And I thought, you know what? I remember seeing, you know, somewhere like these like incredibly rich finishes and always admiring that, um, you know, whatever, whatever scenic artist did that. And I'm like, and this is my time to shine. <laughs> you know? mm. So that I thought, you know, like that I have, I have to, I have to satisfy uh, that desire. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I did up the sample and, um, and I'm just like, this is going to be amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the designer, uh, Corey, since scenes he comes over I'm like what do you think <laughs> I'm like please tell me it's awesome and he's just like I love it do it you know off you go kind of thing and um and I and after painting it like that was like probably one of the most incredible things I've ever painted like it was exactly sort of like that that process through your brain or whatever it's like everything kind of came true and I'm just like Oh, a choir of angels you know? oh, it's lovely. Like, oh it was just amazing and what's yeah. even better is that um so after it was a co-production between citadel and theater calgary so it went to calgary and um a bunch of folks from the bam center went to see it and after the closing night the bam center managed to take that arch and squirrel it away at the bam center which where wow. it cur yeah, currently lives there I think it, it they they chopped it up a bit, but they have it in their they can use it in their little cabaret space there. That's great. What a testament. Yeah. And then I went and did a um metallics and uh workshop at the BAM Center, I think a couple of years ago, 2019. Mm -hmm. And uh and one of the things I got to do was teach uh, a couple of work studies how to replicate that archway so we there was there was two sections there so one we primed out back to zero and then we literally built it up the, in the same fashion and uh and i'm just like again it was just like again another choir of angels and i'm like this is the best thing <laughs> <laughs> Sp spinning gold literally yeah. al alchemy yeah. in that moment yeah, yeah exactly. uh, that's wonderful yeah. Do you know uh, something has come to me as we've been talking because we keep referencing back to your work in the theater mm -hmm. um is that th certainly the, the the company that you work with has by and large had a season uh, and, th and that there's a rhythm to that season sort of a fall to late spring early summer sometimes they, that continues in mm -hmm. um and it's evident that you are not the kind of person who stops and puts their feet up. But I am curious to know if you've ever, if you've ever had a, a, a is there a sense of, of creative rhythms, a season of uh, seasons of creativity in, in your, in your life? There are definitely start like fits and spurts <laughs> that, you know, um, cause the, the fall is kind of like our big kind of like, you know, let's get at her, right? And, yeah. um, but the thing that I really realized is that it's, it's really quite hard to go from show to show to show to show. Uh, what I really like is that we'll, we'll super focus on a show, get it all done. And then I have a week or two off just to decompress from that. 
and then get into another show and like you know ah, just like attack it attack it attack it and then have that moment to decompress and uh, and change the gears because sometimes um you know depending on the size of the show like sometimes they're like they're like they they completely take over my life like even you know trying to fall asleep is is difficult because I'm thinking of the show I wake up in the middle of the night you know solving problems and how am I going to paint that whatever right they can literally like takes over uh, kind of everything and um and then just to have that time just to kind of go whew, okay you know take a couple days for myself you know find my cats again <laughs> they're all good okay right <laughs> and they didn't miss you at all <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that why you have cats right yeah, <laughs> they're, exactly. they're incredibly yeah. forgiving exactly on our next episode of ellipses thinking i am joined by sisters emily and samantha schultz singers and songwriters and best friends these two women have embraced their own vulnerability in order to shape their unique creative voices in our course of our conversation they speak of the personal challenges that they have faced in negotiating the complicated relationship between an artist and their art both have been vocal advocates and allies in navigating the often choppy waters of mental health and continue to find a powerful anchor in music strength that serves them and that they also hope might bring positivity to others. I hope you will join me for my conversation with the Schultz sisters, Samantha and Emily, next Friday. And if you are enjoying these conversations, I hope that you will share this podcast with others in your circles of curiosity. So, Nicole... uh... As you know, we've been talking about what intrigues me about these conversations is, is, is not just the world of those who identify themselves as artists, but also those who see the world through or want to see the world through a more creative lens. If, if, you, were, if you were to imagine yourself sagely and to offer um, you know, two or three ideas by which somebody could say, I, I think I might, I might give that a a try what would you offer and 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 keep it you know to try to keep it as succinct so that they could remember it something that they could wear as a badge of of, of creative um, inspiration um yeah i think to me like i've always just kind of like even like th- all throughout my career you just kind of dive into the deep end and go mm-hmm. um you know which is again really easy to say and really hard to do um but in the end, uh, like you, if, 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 if your end result is to paint the Sistine Chapel, then maybe start by painting a light switch because you know the light switch is going to be in the room or something. You know what I mean? Like maybe if that's your end goal, maybe like, you know, try something small like you know because again if you just if you just walk into the room and it's just like start painting the Sistine Chapel well you're you're probably not going to finish it you're probably going to abandon it because it's just too big of a project right so you know but by all means have that as your end goal but like maybe you know look at Renaissance painting for hands right and just start painting hands right like just like 
start painting elements of it and and working with different um, different mediums and because like, certain mediums will work better for certain things and uh, and that's something that I'm starting to learn as well um, like once I started um, painting a lot more I just gravitated straight to acrylics um, because I thought well this will be kind of the closest to scenic art because we tend to use like it's not all house paint but it would be the most akin to house paint right so I yeah. thought okay well that's you know that's yeah. kind of close to acrylic so why not try that and I'm finding with acrylics that I'm really kind of um um I feel like a kid with a bunch of crayons with it like I'm kind of stumbling through it and stuff like that and it's just like oh I just haven't I haven't learned to speak its language yet right so okay. right and it's just you can take the time and kind of get through that but it's like you're not going to be perfect off the hop right even though that I've been painting for 20 years going into a different medium it's like oh okay well I, I gotta learn I gotta learn how that wants to respond to things because it's not going to respond to things as if it's house paint right and yeah. then the same thing with watercolors like oh, I want to learn watercolor so it's like you know let's treat it like acrylics but you can't <laughs> because it's its own thing right yeah. so it's like it's literally learning different languages and and then you know throwing in something completely different like when when I started doing the silversmithing right it's just like that's a very mechanical very to me almost like um you put your carpenter's brain on for that one almost right because it's like you know sawing through the metal and filing it and soldering it so it's like to me it was just sort of like you know, carpenters, welders brain kind of thing for that one, right? It's just, it's, it's a very different mindset. I'm going to have to completely rewrite the intro now because I completely forgot about the silver work that you're oh, doing. So, <laughs> and, that's, and that's totally fair, but you know what? In a week's time, I'm going to learn something else. So don't worry. <laughs> I won't. So this is what I just extrapolated for, for the, the pearls of wisdom. So I, I want to give them back to you because it's, it's quite lovely. And again, if you're a painter or you're a visual artist, it all applies in that way, but take that as a metaphor for anything. I heard you start with dive in and go, mm -hmm. begin. Um, I got the sense that, that, that throughout this whole conversation that, that just embrace the experiment. Um, how, wouldn't it be wonderful if people could find ways to live and work with their own self-gifted trials? Their mm -hmm. sense of, I'm going to try this small and that connected to that, just start and learn and then start again. And, yeah. and, I, and I love the way you, in which you are also encouraging us all to become multilingual in terms of the way in which, you know, by multilingual, I don't mean just obviously by, by spoken language, but, but that sense of, of the language of the medium, the language of, of the particular person you're in conversation with, the um, the language of of the work that you do I, I just think it's it, it, I love that you are so comfortable in in that in that skin of uh, of experimenter and it probably is why I have so appreciated watching you invent and reinvent again and again coming I want to come to the to the close of this and uh, I just want to toss a couple of questions at you um, if, if you would be willing to to, to jump in. I want to know if you might share the name of one person who jumps forward in your mind, who inspired you the most in, uh, in your, in your path. John Medill. Mm -hmm. 
he was my scenic art teacher and history, theater history teacher, Grant McEwen. And uh, he is like all of the old styles of scenic art. He is like the epitome of, of all of that. And um, like all the trompe l'oeil stuff, all of the, you know, moldings, highlights, shadows and all of that. Even, <laughs> funny enough, fun fact, when I was, um, I had to do a bit of like a bit of a trompe l'oeil effect for some additions we just did for the Christmas Carol. And as I'm walking through it, I would just like constantly, it's like, hey, what did John say? What did he, you know, how did he do this? And, you know, and it's like, it's always, always vivid in my brain. And I remember working on a show with him once and he, he actually said that my marbling technique was better than his. And I'm just like, oh, mm. I have made it. <laughs> yeah. I have finally... I finally, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you've, you've, you've finally kind of met that expectation or whatever. Compliment from the master. Kind of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting, Nicole. John's name came up in conversation with somebody. I've been racking my brains while listening. Uh, John is on our minds right now. And uh, um, I too, I mean, I remember, um, I, I remember at Drumheller uh, when he was down there working with a bunch of, you know, 14, 15, 16 year olds, uh, honoring their creative process as if we'd been seasoned professionals. And, and I remember distinctly him sketching with, you know, a box of, 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 uh, of Sharpies uh, brilliantly, beautifully. Um, and yeah, the, I, I think that's, that's a lovely, a, a lovely tribute. To tag the next question, who's inspiring you in this moment? That's a hard question, uh, only because I see myself in a in a bit of a, a transitionary uh, moment in my life, where mm. um, I I've I feel like I've I won't say I've plateaued with the state with the scenic art, but I I want to um, take my personal artwork uh further um much further um given that who who is out there in the world who if you had the opportunity to 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 spend time with to you know ply with questions and to sit beside and 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 work uh you've mentioned you know some of the great people that that you have learned from and alongside who would you seek out there is a gal uh, in the eastern U.S. Her, I f- and I follow her on Instagram. Um, she's, I believe, in her mid fifties. Her name is um, Jody Julie Jody or Julie Oho. I have no idea how to pronounce her name, to tell you the honest truth. But uh, her artwork is fabulous. It's fun. It's free. It's abstract. It's playful. It's amazing. And she had just written that that 10 years ago, she had abandoned her, you know, quote unquote job to take a leap into the unknown. And 10 years later, she is like teaching classes. She's selling her stuff on, you know, whatever, whatever. And her artwork is, is really uh, like fun and playful and full of life. And 
after I read that, I'm like, oh my God, I want to pick her brain so bad. <laughs> right. Right. Because I see myself right now at, at, you know, maybe where she was 10 years ago of that, of that jumping off point yeah. of going, okay, so what's next? Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, some, I, I guess the problem of always needing to be, you know, stimulated and, and, and excited, not excited about things, but just like, you know, you, you kind of do after a while kind of create the challenge. Right. And, uh, and it's just like, okay, I want, I want more challenges and um, you know, and some, and I'm at the point where I'm just kind of wanting to jump off and make some of those challenges for myself. And that it may not be at work anymore. So, so Nicole, like, what's um, what's stopping you from reaching out and uh, introducing yourself? Just my own freaking stubbornness. That's all it is. And uh, well, I guess I'm going to be sending a note after this. Can I help you with that? <laughs> <laughs> Last, yeah, uh, but then, but yeah, no, but it's uh, it, you know, it's funny. It's like okay, so there there is a moment right there of like it's back to the beginning again, like having that fear of of jumping into the deep end. Wow. That's the first time in almost an hour I've heard you actually acknowledge fear, which is beautiful. I mean, we all know that it exists there. And as you say, yeah. jumping into the deep end, but you said, uh, dive in and go. So I yeah. guess, I guess you know yeah. what you're going to do. You talked at the beginning of our conversation about having been a child of a family going back generations that inspired you. If you now think forward uh, a grandchild is going to tell their grandchild about you and how you inspired them. What do you hope they'll say? She made really good sausages. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know what? When for for some reason, when it comes to family, it's food. Um, but you know what I mean? So to me, that passing down would be like, oh, my grandma made the best whatever. And, you know, here's her recipe and be very excited about it. And, you know, and then as they're telling about that recipe or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah, she did all this crazy stuff, too. Look at this. These are some of her paintings. Da, da, da. You know what I mean? So when it, when it comes to family, for me, it starts with food and then it can grow from there. And then all the other stuff just kind of feeds into it. Uh, pun intended, I take yes, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicole, this has been um, delightful. It really has been. And uh, uh, thank you for making this time and being so so generous and easy with your reflection on who you are and who you are in the world. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for reaching out and, and asking me to... Uh, to uh, to join you on this it's been really excellent and uh i have learned some things about myself ellipses thinking is a proud member of the ordinary podcasting network it is produced by jordan dollar coltman and greg dollar coltman you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook Thanks for listening.
As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years. Their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.